0: Are you interested in elevating your energy, getting rid of mind fog, saying goodbye to inflammation for good, repairing your gut biome, detoxing from cancer-causing glyphosate, and losing weight? What if you could do all of that by not engaging in single-use plastic while enjoying delicious 100% organic superfoods which are sustainably grown and dehydrated on local farms within the U.S.? Look into the Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation, and remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your superfoods. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon whitewater guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. Molo Kunjani. Hey, Missoula and my friends around the world. This is Mandela, and I'm really excited about tonight's interviews. These interviews were recorded on the busy streets of Cape Town, South Africa, just a few weeks before COVID-19 put the entire country on lockdown. In these interviews, I meet up with old friends and many refugees to learn about their life in Cape Town, as we call it, the mother city. Our first interview is with Mashuna, and she is a Muslim woman whose family has been living in the Buakap, a historical and cultural epicenter of Cape Town. Mashuna is on the corner right now Protesting gentrification. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and although you may be in a time of isolation. I hope that these interviews help you travel with me here on location in Kap, in to one Cape of Town. I'm here with Mashuna and she is Cape protesting top. with a group of five other women here on the corner and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about why you're here on the corner and, and also tell us about the Boorkop because in America they don't know what the Cup neighborhood is.
1: All right, first of all, I wasn't born in Boorkop. Right? I was born in Harfield Village in Claremont and my father and his family were born in Puaqap. But what has happened for the past few years is we've been exposed to gentrification. Now why I'm so very passionate about fighting gentrification is because I come from a historically disadvantaged and forced removed community. And you know, that was very traumatic for me. Up till today, I still have these memories how I've lost my friends and my culture and my tradition and I've lost my identity but luckily for me I came to live in Borkap and I found that same environment again and therefore I wouldn't like for our people here and I've been living here for 36 years now and it's my home and it's where my father came from and we always told me about the beautiful culture of this you know we have our molud we have our zikr every Thursday night we have our Hadat, where we come together, we congregate, and we as women, we meet and we can share our stories, and we motivate one another. But also, you know, we were slaves. Our forefathers were slaves from Indonesia and India and Bengali. And so what we're trying to preserve ultimately in Cup is our identity. And what has been happening is high-rise development has impacted on our market value. And it forces our rates to go up. We are a working class community. We cannot afford to pay those rates. And so what happened is ultimately our people move out. And for me, this is passive removal. You know, it's a force of economic apartheid. Ultimately, it's to remove us because we are also the last black settlement for the city in Boca. And this area, it's a very demanded area for the city. And so it is for us to uphold the struggle and to preserve our culture for generations to come. And I think that is why I'm standing there. But we did get a HPOZ, which was the Heritage Protection Overlay Zone, but it protects certain sites in Boer Karp. But it's not a blanket approval. It does not protect the whole of the Boer And up to as we're speaking now, there are certain pending developments that's waiting appeals, that's waiting decision and judgment. And so we are still in the struggle and it's an ongoing struggle for us. But we are prepared to fight and to fight and to live and to work and to die. Yeah.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about the Buakap? Cup? For someone listening who doesn't know about this area, some of the history behind this area.
1: It's the first black settlement. So what has happened, I think it was in 1748, that slaves came from Indonesia, but these were by the slave trade by the Dutch. They came by uh, the African slave trade. It was Indonesians and Indians and from... Madagascar people were brought here by the slave route to Cape Town. And one of our very significant and pioneers for us is Tuanguru. We call him Tuanguru, it means Mr. Teacher. But he was in prison on Robben Island for 13 years, where he wrote the first-hand written Quran. And it's very significant to us. And that Quran is today, it is in the stored, at the first masjid, it is called the Awal Masjid. Awal means first masjid in Torb Street. And you can view it there, it's open for viewing, but also it has impacted on this community a lot, Islam, the religion of Islam. It's, It's not, for me, it's a way of life, because it's not an exclusive religion. You know, it invites everybody. And as today, we have Christians, we have people from other faiths living here as well. So we're not an exclusive community. But also with the colourful houses that you see, I think it was on Emancipation Day, the people were so happy and they ran into the streets and they made forms of music to communicate with. Once a year that happened also and they would communicate with one another. Once a year people would be free to go on the streets as slaves and make music is that what emancipation day is emancipation day was when the slaves were released from their freedom and when they were released from their freedom they painted the house colorful because it was a very joyful day for them and that was emancipation day the day of freedom yeah
0: Beautiful. We're standing here on the edge of the Boer Cup and if I were to step out from where we are and look to the left, I would see beautiful homes that are painted all different colors and that's what she's talking about. It's a little bit of a personal question, but you mentioned that growing up, you've been facing these difficulties throughout your entire life. Yes. Could you share a little bit of, of that with us? Yeah,
1: That's the saddest part, you know, because it's basically based on your skin color. You were removed from an area based on your skin color and that is the saddest part and to me that is basically what you're in is all bound because you know apartheid also it affected mostly the poor and the poor were always the marginalized the black people and the colored people you know so so it affected basically the black people and the black people were removed from the economic areas and this is why we have crime also in the country because people were far removed from economic opportunities to understand and so this is this is the remnants of apartheid and we're still fighting it and we're still exposed to it today we're still suffering from it and it's purely based on color which is so unfair really because we're all human Yeah, you know we're all human and this is what colonialism did in apartheid people were removed because of color and treated differently because of the color skin color
0: and you're protesting right here today with your friends who also live in the Cup because this is continuing to go on.
1: Of course we have this lady, she's 85 years old, and she's been exposed to this type of treatment for many years. And she's been an activist since the days of apartheid. It's a struggle, it's an ongoing struggle. It might not be as obvious as apartheid was, but it's a passive form of removal. Understand. and it's economic a form of removal because if we move out of this area we go out to the periphery and we're far removed from economic opportunities. Yep. So we basically we're stuck in the same rut really and this is why we're fighting and we're petitioning to create awareness and to show disapproval but also for it to impact on government policy because we have various types of showing our disapproval you know we had a petition on saturday running at the castle but the slavery challenge where people were running and they came from all parts of south africa and so we had a petition running at the castle and we started a campaign and hoping that it will impact greater awareness on social platforms and it will impact ultimately on government policy as our HPOZ did that's the same how we started with our HPOZ. Yep. And thankfully it did make a difference. And we have nineteen um, national since we protested last year in March, we had nineteen national heritage sites approved in Kaab. It was some of our mosques, our schools, our quarry, the first uh, Spalender house in Kaab. So you know, it's protected. And that is all through people's struggle and the strive and their commitment. Yeah. You know, I admire these women, we might be a few, sometimes there's much more, sometimes little. Yeah. But they are committed, mm-hmm. you know, to stay and to die in club. And it's not like the world is perceiving that we want to move out, no. We want our children to grow up, to experience this beautiful culture that we have. And we're open to all other forms of societies and people, mm-hmm. yes.
0: I think the city is making a big mistake on many different levels. But partly also because many of these tourists, like the ones that are walking by right now to go to the Boa Cup is because it's such a beautiful community within the city.
1: Very much so, really, and you know, I think for us also to meet people from various parts of the world is so beautiful, because you learn from one another, you learn various cultures. You basically come to realize that we're just all human, and we're just one piece. And we just want to be happy and peace, and I think that is what we want, what everybody want. Because we learn from people from different cultures, and we can see the beauty in them as well, and in their hearts, and yeah.
0: The more and more that we separate ourselves and live f- far away from each other, the less we'll know about each other. I believe that discord often comes from understanding.
1: Exactly, that's so true. I fully agree with you, you know? And I mean, now with social media, the world is so small, really, you know? And it is true, like as you say, and I reiterate and, what, and endorse what you're saying, it is just to understand, try to understand. And for us, we just want to live in peace. That's all, and we just want our, to live in a home to be safe, and I think it's our right, and it's our uh, human right to have a home. Yes. Where you feel safe in. Right? It's your human right. I agree.
0: We're standing here today in the Bwokop in Cape Town, South Africa, and when I... Speak with often Americans and people from outside South Africa. The first question they ask me is about apartheid. Many people don't actually understand what happened, what was apartheid. I was wondering if you can tell some of the listeners what apartheid is, if they don't understand what it was, because it's not taught necessarily in all the schools.
1: Yeah, to me, apartheid was really very bad because it removed your dignity. Like, for example, I had. I'm black or colored black and I had a black friend and we one evening we decided to go to a restaurant and we entered the restaurant and we sat down and we ordered and obviously I don't like the, the word white black because, you know, because we're human yeah. but anyway it was a white restaurant and we sat down and we ordered our meal and then the restaurant was packed and the manager came out and he came to our table and he said we must please go. You know, now, that is very degrading. It is very degrading. You couldn't go to a beach if you were black or colored. You couldn't go to a beach where white people were. You couldn't even sit on a bench where it was marked for whites. And your education was inferior. This is why we have all this crime today because the education that the black person got and that the white person got was very different. Our education were inferior to the white man's education. Understand, and ultimately your education makes you who you are.
0: What do you think South Africa needs to do to move forward and truly have this area be the Cape of Good Hope?
1: Yeah, I think what is important for our governments to concentrate on is to educate our young people. And I think education is very important, skill development, is extremely important and education and housing. And I think these are the basic necessities that people need to regain their dignity and to live a simple life. You know, and to me education is primarily very important to improve who you are and as a human being. I think that is what our government and skill development and of course unemployment is very high and to create job opportunities. I think until then, we still have a long struggle ahead. Yeah. I wanted to say
0: thank you very, very much for your time and energy and for what you're doing.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Mandy. And which radio station are you from? This is the Trail 103.3. Thank you very
0: much. The radio show is called The Trail Less Traveled.
1: It sounds beautiful. I'll definitely
0: come. Wonderful. Thank you. I was just wondering if there is a song that you could share with me right now.
1: Okay. You know what song I love is When You Believe. By Whitney Easton and Mariah Carey. I love it. So, when you believe. Because that motivates me. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> now we're going to join Lucy. Lucy is originally from Kenya, and she has been working in Green Market Square for over a decade. Green Market Square is a famous market in central Cape Town, where... In the 1600s, slaves were traded and sold.
2: For Magina na itwahusi nyambura na nimechoka Muranga, Maragua, Mudidi. When you want to go to a place called Mudidi. But at the moment, ninaka Cape Town, South Africa. I mekuwaku for quite a long time, but. Every now and then naendanga kutembea kusarimia especially winter time naendanga kutembea and then narudi Cape Town. Mm. Mm. My name is Lucy Nyambura. I come from Muranga, Maragua, a place called Modivi. That's where I come from. The moment I'm staying in South Africa Cape Town, I've been in this place for quite a long time. But often I always go home. I normally go home on winter time. I see my people and then I come back to this place. Mm. Yes, asanteni sana.
0: We're speaking today with Lucy, she's originally from Kenya, and she's been in South Africa since 2007, and we're here in Lucy's shop in Green Market Square, and I wanted to say thank you very much, asante sana, Lucy, for joining me today on the trail has traveled. Karibu sana? <laughs> okay, how are you guys? I'm doing very well. I'm happy to be here at Green Market Square. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't come down today because people kept on saying it's too dangerous now. Mm-hmm. Why would they be telling me that? No,
2: people always think that this place is dangerous because they keep on seeing police cars and police all around. But I can guarantee you this place is 100% safe. Very much safe. You must never be scared to come to Cape Town. You must not be scared to come to Green Market Square. All those rumors are lies. Mm. It's a lie. Mm. We are working here seven days in a week and nothing is dangerous. Mm. Yes.
0: So when you say here, can you please describe to the listener where we are right now? Because it's a radio show, mm-hmm. and here we are standing in Green Market Square in the heart of Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Green Market Square and what you see around you right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, around me, I'm in Green Market Square, I'm somewhere near a shop called Ubuso Gold, and around here there's a lot of traders around me, and everyone is relaxing, there's nothing bad. Order a police car that is just next to my shop. But I tell you what, even the police are relaxing inside. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing bad that is happening,
0: yes. Lucy, can you tell me a little bit of the history of Green Market Square?
2: Green Market Square, I came here 2007, and the time I came here, the business was very good, the place was very good, there was a lot of tourists by then. I can't say that the tourists are not there anymore, but what happened is that there's a lot of markets all around Cape Town. All over the place, there's a lot of art shops, there's a lot of people selling art. So the business is there, but the competition is too high. So we still make a living, but you can't compare with those five, ten years ago. Yes. Lucy, why did you come to South Africa from Kenya? I came to South Africa because my husband is from Kenya, but he came before me. And he was staying here, and because life was very good by then, he invited me here, we started to live here. But because now things are not very much good for us in South Africa, he actually relocated and he went back to Kenya. Mm. And maybe in the next one year or two years, I'll be also going to follow him back in Kenya. Because business-wise, it's a bit down. And life also is not not going very well. So we have decided to go back to our country and see if we can make a living that side. Mm. Yes.
0: <laughs> so a lot of people are doing that. You know, a lot of people yes, are leaving South yes. Africa. Tell me why some people are leaving.
2: Many people are living here because when they came here, the business was very good. The life was very nice. There was no hatred among one another. But what we discovered is that nowadays you don't feel that love anymore and also you find out like our countries are growing as well like myself my country kenya it's doing very well life is becoming very good and also it's easy to make a living there so that's why most of the people are living are relocating back to their countries but i can't say that south africa is bad it's still good it's very good and it's a beautiful place to be yes
0: <laughs> Lucy, I've actually been talking to people a lot about that today the xenophobia, mm-hmm. the fear of strangers, yes. and how some immigrants like yourself coming from other countries like Kenya or Cameroon mm-hmm. or the Congo mm-hmm. or Zimbabwe
2: are experiencing xenophobia. Okay, about xenophobia, I've been here like for 13 years now, but believe you me, I've never faced any xenophobic attack. What I know is that most of the people who go through that xenophobia attacks, some of them, they are the causes of that. Because you go to mingle with these South Africans, but the way you behave, you make these people, like now we're experiencing these refugees, they are out Green Market Square, as, as the refugees, one of, like, I'm a refugee in this place, but I don't like the way they are behaving themselves. And I feel like if I'm a refugee, but I don't like, how about the South Africans? Because these people, they don't know how to behave. They don't know how to talk. So I feel like the problem we have with this, the reason why there's xenophobia to those people who experience it is because of the way they behave among themselves. Yes, yes. But I don't think South Africans are that bad. No, 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 no. If you stay with them, I stay with them. My neighbor here is a South African, and she's the best person that I want to stay with forever in my life. So it depends with you, yourself, your personality. Do you provoke these people? Do you make them to hate you? Do you make them to get angry about you? But they are the best people I've come through. Yes. Lucy, can you tell us about the village where you came from in Kenya? Okay, I came in a village called Mudidi. I come from Kenya, Maragua, Mudidi. And I can tell you it's a beautiful place, although it's a long time since I went there. But I always talk to my people who are still in that side. And they're still growing, they're doing well. But it wasn't an easy life for me. Yes, I stayed there for like, how many years? For like 18 years. I was still in the village. And believe you me, it wasn't an easy life. Yes, yes. Lucy, I have kind of a personal question for you Mm -hmm. and feel free to say no, but I'm
0: wondering, um, did you meet your husband and then fall in love and then decide that you wanted to get married or was that arranged?
2: No, 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 it was not arranged by anyone. Actually, it was a big surprise. When I told my parents that I want to get married, they were like, no, girl, you are too young. You you, you have a lot of things to do. They never arranged about me. And my husband comes from very far from where I stay. We are from different places. We actually met in town. He was from South Africa and I was there in Kenya and we met and we talked and we became friends. And then he asked me if I can marry him. And when I went to my parents, it was a big shock to them. They never expected that from me. Yes. Mm. (laughs) Lucy,
0: do you know any of the history of Green Market Square and how it was a place where slaves used to be sold?
2: Yes, I always hear about that here in Green Market Square. I heard that they used to sell black people of which I don't know how true it is, but if you check around, you're gonna find some few things. They write them there, like the history of this market, and I believe it was true. They used to sell slaves in this place. I believe it's true, yes.
0: Well, we're speaking with Lucy, and she's originally from Kenya, and she has a a booth here in Green Market Square. How would they find you if they were listening and they wanted to come and, and speak with you?
2: If you want to get me in Green Market Square, you come in any corner of Green Market Square and say you're looking for Mama Esther. They know me as Mama Esther. Esther is my daughter. And you ask them, the girl who sells uh, African sandals, Mama Esther who sells sandals, they bring you direct to me. Wonderful. Any corner you are in Green Market Square. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, one more question, Lucy. Lucy. There's a lot of
0: crime in South Africa, but you're still saying to people that they should come and it's safe and they shouldn't be scared. But where do you think that the crime comes from in South Africa? Why is there crime here?
2: Actually, I always hear with people there's crime, but personally, I've never seen crime. Mm -hmm. Because, like I told you, I've been here for 12 years. I stay not far from town. But I always hear people saying there's crime. I don't know where it is in South Africa, maybe not in Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And if it's in Cape Town, I'm sure it's not around town, because I'm based in Cape Town CBD. I also stay around CBD. So if there's a crime, it should be outside, like way outside Cape Town. Do you think it's because sometimes when people have a positive experience,
0: they will maybe tell a couple of people, but if they have a negative experience or something negative happens, they tell so
2: many more people. Do you think it has something to do with that? Yes, I think that's true because as a tourist, if you happen to come in this place and maybe you experience something like they rob you, your mind will tell you that this place have got robberies. Mm-hmm. And in case you come and one person harasses you on the streets or something, you will believe that it's happening all over in South Africa. But I can tell you, out of my experience, is the best place you can be in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Yes, the harassment, even if it's there, there's a lot of security all around. So don't be scared. Come, come, guys. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. And Lucy, can we end your program
0: with some advice on life that you may have for someone listening? Do you have any life advice?
2: Okay, about life experience? Or what do you mean? Life advice. Just okay, life advice, I can say that as a young girl from Kenya, staying in South Africa, first of all, I believe in myself so much. And if you might be there and you don't know what to do with your life, believe you, me, you can make it. Just believe in yourself. Don't listen to people. Don't look at what people will say when you do your own decisions, but just believe in yourself and you can make it in life. Mm. Yes. Sante sana, Afriki. Karibu sana, yes. lafriki. <laughs>
0: Lucy, can you end your segment with a song? Do you sing? Will you share a song with us? A
2: song? Yeah. What kind of a song? Any song, your favorite song. <laughs> I love gospel music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you love me too much, oh, Too much, oh, Too much, oh, Excess love, oh. That's my favorite song. Whenever I'm doing everything, that's the song I love singing. Beautiful. Because I believe Jesus loves me so much. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Lucy, do you think maybe I should also play a song from Kenya? Is there an artist that you can think of that I can share with the listener?
2: Yes, I would like it if you can pray for me a song. I would love a Kikuyu song. If you can pray for me a Kikuyu song, I would really love it. I would love any song from Shiroa GP. She's my favorite artist. I love it. Can you Kenyan. spell it for me? S H I R O and then W A and then G P. Shiroa GP. Wonderful. Yes. Any music from her.
3: Aloha, my name is Rebecca Hall. I'm here on the beautiful island of Kauai. I'm a massage therapist and a yoga instructor and a wellness coach. And I wanted to share my story here gratefully for these healing superfoods. My husband and I hit rock bottom here in Kauai about four years ago. Our son was 18 months old. We have a beautiful garden and dig up turmeric and juice from our garden every day. However, just the pressures of life really got to us. And it got to my husband so severely that he became suicide depressed. He couldn't hold on to his tools at work anymore, just from chronic inflammation. So I took on more massage and then I became injured. We both put a massive prayer out for something to change in our life. These superfoods came along and completely transformed our life. Within about a week of using the superfoods, my husband started speaking again. He could make a fist with his hand and hold on to things. And my lifetime osteoarthritis, pain and inflammation disappeared. So we're extremely grateful for these superfoods. They've completely changed our life. Thank you, Mandela, for taking the opportunity to share. Aloha. Visit
0: iShopPurium.com and check out Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. Remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your order. That referral code M A N D E L A will also help the future of Adventure Radio. Now we're going to join my good friend Kipandi. I met Kipandi 10 years ago in Cape Town. Kipandi is a Rastafarian, Olympic, long-distance runner, originally from Kenya, who now dedicates his life to caring for the pigeons of the city. We're standing here in the heart of Green Market Square in Cape Town, South Africa, and I'm here with my friend Kipandi, who I met 10 years ago, and I never forgot him. Thank you so much, Kipandi, again for agreeing
4: to let me interview you. You're welcome. I'm happy also to see you as well.
0: We met because um, I'm an animal lover as well as Kipandi. And I walked into Kipandi's shop and he looked at me and he said, You love horses. And without even knowing me at all, you knew that I had a close connection
4: with horses. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, I hope uh, you're still uh, enjoying riding the horses as well.
0: I don't get a ride as much as I used to when I was a child, but I still love horses. Yeah. And also Kipandi is known by some as the pigeon man because Kipandi feeds the pigeons every day, and he also takes care of some of the pigeons who are injured. So I just wanted to say thank you for what you're doing for the animals.
4: You're welcome. I love the animals. Animal is my life and they were created first before us by the Creator. So I feel that we must be responsible and the only way you can be responsible is for the animals. They can't talk to us but they can speak to us through looking at us. So we have to look after them and I love them so much. And they love me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, Kipandi, you have a phenomenal background. You are a long-distance runner, originally from Kenya, and that has taken you all over the world. Can you tell us a little bit about
4: that part of your life? It's a long life. It's, I, I won't finish it. I start my running in Kenya, and then I got a scholarship to go to university in America, and I started running over there, and I run, I've been running all over the world. Before. But now I don't compete anymore. I just run for fun.
0: Do you run barefoot or do you wear shoes when you run?
4: Uh, I used to, but now, you know, the streets are not the same like before, so shoes, I wear shoes at the moment.
0: Where did you grow up in Kenya, and how old were you when you started
4: running? I started running when I realized that I was running. So I think about nine years old, Mm -hmm. and I come from Nandi in Kapsapet, where most of the longest runners come from. Kipandi, why did you start running? Um, but I don't know why. It's just that uh, I noticed that I realized I had a talent that Ja has given me, so I used it, and that's how I start running. Kipandi, how does your heart and your mind feel when you run? Uh, nothing. I just look forward and run, and I don't think much.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. It's like a meditation for you. Yeah. That there's no thinking involved. Yes.
4: I don't think about it. When you think about it, and then again your mind is, is going telling you that you're tired. So I don't think about it. I just run until I'm tired and then I stop. Yeah, yeah.
0: Kipandi, can you tell us about your friends, the pigeons here and what you do to help take care of the
4: pigeons? Uh, when I find a pigeon with uh, legs being tied by the hair because sometimes they are running around and they can strangle them I just try to kite them and take it out and if I find someone that is, uh, one of them is injured so badly I have boxes, so I pull the house for them where I'm at home where I stay and I take them home, stay with me for maybe a week, a month and until it's getting better, I just let it go yeah. bring them back to where they belong in the market, yeah. Yeah, but I don't leave them. I, I everywhere. Even I see one is sick, I just take them. Even I know that they are not going to make it, I just make sure that they die next to me, so I can be able to look after them. Mm. And I have a lot that they been coming to my stall here, and in a in a bad shape. And they can they come, they die here. I have one that he just came in here and he died in the in the stall here.
0: To be yeah. next to you. Yeah. When Kipandi goes out to feed the pigeons, they already know he, that he's coming. They'll all come right when you come. Yeah,
4: they do. They know the way I walk. They know my clothes. We got connection. They they feel it. They know. Mm-hmm. They see. Yeah. They see farther than us. 80% of mm-hmm. what, how we can see. They see farther. Can you help someone
0: listening to also be inspired to take care of those in need?
4: Yeah, but it's very difficult to, I can inspire them by doing it myself, but it's very difficult to tell somebody to do something that they have no desire. These things come natural, and it's very difficult for me to tell somebody to do something that I'm doing it because I don't know how they see it. Yeah, so... I have to do it in a difficult time and in a difficult moment and maybe somebody can realize that they need to do something.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, it's, you know, action. Like having someone, like say example, if you see someone uh, throw down garbage and you pick it up, other people might see you do that and then yeah. they might also be inspired.
4: Yes. And that's the only way people must see. I must be a role model. Yeah. Yeah, I must not see a bird injured or any animal injured on the way and just pass it. You must try to get involved, and uh, somebody will see. Maybe you can open up someone else to see. Yeah. yeah.
0: Kipandi, the last time I interviewed you was in Cape Town, about ten years ago, and I talked to you about Rastafarian. Can we talk a little bit about that today? Sometimes. People think that if you're a Rasta that just means you have dreads and that you smoke weed but that's so far from the truth there's so much more to it can you tell us a little bit about Rastafarian?
4: Yeah, Rastafarian is a way of life it's not about uh, smoking marijuana I don't smoke marijuana myself and uh, it's a way of life it's, uh, and we try not to advertise how we live we don't go out there and tell people hey you must be a Rastafarian it must be a natural thing so that's how it is. It's yeah. just a natural thing. It's, it's a way of life. Grasparian is a movement of of liberty and, and peace and love. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And helping other people, helping someone if we can. Yeah. It's not always about about material or monetary. It's an inspiration of talking to someone, greet somebody. Share somebody, spend time with somebody that you, even if you don't like, mm-hmm. they don't look like you, spend time with them. That is our movement, Yeah. yeah. uplifting one another, no matter what, colour, white, black, green, yellow, mm-hmm. it's all the same.
0: Kipandi, do you eat meat?
4: No, I don't eat no meat. Yeah. Yeah, I eat all the vegetables, mm-hmm. so yeah. Once in a while I can uh, fish um, because sometimes our bodies need something mm-hmm. but it's not something that I have a desire I don't have but I don't need meat at all
0: Yeah. this is a radio show you know and, and last time I interviewed you was with a video camera and I quickly moved away from that but those listening they cannot see what we see here so I was wondering if you could potentially describe where you are and what you see.
4: Yeah, I am. I am in a Green Market Square, and I see my pigeons uh, on the buildings, and I and I see another one next to us watching me. I think it's about uh, their eating time, so probably they're calling me. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah.
0: What are you going to feed them now?
4: No, not now. It's still a lot of people and still hard for them. It's too hard for for them to eat. I'll wait until when it's cooler, Mm -hmm. maybe 5 o'clock.
0: There's a pigeon who is right in front of the shop right now. He's coming, yeah. You You
4: can see. Oh, they were pigeon here. You see, they see I have their food because they know I keep their food around here. You see? He's coming to call me that it's about time to eat. So I'll feed them 3 o'clock. So he's just coming to, to give me information. Hey, what's up? It's 3 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. You can see, they will oh, see yeah. more coming. Yeah, animals are smart. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, Kipandi yeah. just reached into his bag and pulled out some seeds, and we have two pigeons now yeah. who are in his shop eating.
4: Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Kipandi, do you yeah. know any of the history of Green Market Square?
4: Yeah, Green Market Square was, uh, they had, uh, we have a, now it's time to be a toilet. Mm-hmm. It was, this was a slave's uh, station. They used to yeah. lock the, uh, slaves in one of, there is a toilet having the, around the market here. Mm-hmm. This was uh, for slaves mm-hmm. that they were distributed to go to America and to go to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. This was the headquarters for to slaves from West Africa. Wow. And that's why they turned it to be uh, a square. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, wonderful, Kipandi, it was so wonderful to see you again. And I haven't been to Cape Town since I last saw you, but I knew the one person I wanted to see was Kipandi, my friend, and I, I'm so happy that you're still
4: here at the square. I'm very happy, and, uh, yeah, we will see each other again. You know, yeah, is good to us. We we just keep moving, and uh, I was very really happy and happy to see you as well. Mm-hmm. You're looking good as well. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah,
0: wonderful. So keep on. Actually, before we end, I was wondering if you could tell us what's happening on the street right now. Over on the street, there's a bunch of people camped with protest signs.
4: Yeah, there is some people that they uh, just come from other countries that they are refugees. Actually, they say that they want to go somewhere, so they didn't have a place to stay, so they come around us here. But they have been helped. The government is is doing something for them at the moment, and I think everything will be okay yeah. soon. Yeah, this week.
0: Kipandi, can you give us some advice on life? Uh,
4: believing, yeah, not a human being. That's what I can tell you.
0: Yeah. And can you share one of your favorite songs? Hey, I wonder.
4: There's so many of them that I play. Yeah. This song is a warrior song in my village So I'm I'm sharing about the village. I'm singing about, come, let's stay together. And I'll talk to Jah, the ancestors, to guide you to go back home when you are flying back. Wonderful.
0: Thank you, Kipandi. Namaste, Missoula, and my friends around the world. Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Traveled. Tonight's interview was recorded on the streets of Cape Town, South Africa, just a few weeks before COVID-19 shut the streets down and the whole country went on lockdown. During this interview, I had so much fun walking around Green Market Square and downtown Cape Town, meeting up with old friends and refugees, learning about their life. I'd like to thank Mashuna, a Muslim woman who is living in the Buakap and currently protesting against gentrification. I'd also like to thank my friend Kipandi, a Rastafarian Olympic long-distance runner from Kenya, who now dedicates his life to caring for the pigeons in Cape Town. As well as Lucy from Kenya. Lucy has a beautiful smile, an amazing voice, and she makes the best handmade African sandals money can buy. The Trail Less Traveled is dedicated to collecting stories and sounds from around the world. And it is my hope that through these stories and sounds, you're able to travel with me every week, even though we're in a time of isolation. The Trail Less Traveled airs every Sunday night at 6 Mountain Time, and you can stream the show online at trail1033.com. The Trail Less Traveled is also an award-winning podcast that is available on all platforms, including Spotify and Pandora. You can see the full archive of over 400 shows on the official website, Traveled.net. After interviewing a few street gangsters in Cape Town, I'd like to share with you some advice from them in terms of your cell phone. My adventure tip this week is to remind you that if you're in a busy city, and you're standing on the streets staring at your cell phone, you are a target. So make sure that if you're looking at Google Maps on your phone or communicating with your Uber pickup, step inside of a shop or at least make sure you're aware of your surroundings before you just stare at your phone. Well, that's it for this week. My friends in Missoula and my friends around the world. But until next week, please do something for Mother Earth. It's a beautiful time of year to plant a tree. It really is. And if you're able to, get outside and shred the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar does not shred itself.
2: My name is Yuvia Storm. I live in Bend, Oregon. At 38 years old, I found myself experiencing brain fog, massive hormone shifts, exhaustion, forgetfulness, and extreme emotional highs and lows. I had jaw acne, night sweats, body aches, and sleepless nights. It was frustrating. I did yoga, ate minimal sugar and processed foods, gardened, fermented, sprouted. What was I doing wrong? Thanks to a dear friend, I found the ultimate lifestyle transformation – in just a few days, I felt lightness of being and clarity. By the end of my transformation, my face had cleared. I had energy, my body was toned, glowing, and flexible. Now, two years later, my hormones remain balanced and my exhaustion and brain fog have not returned.
0: Purium Superfoods are 100% organic superfoods and herbs grown and dehydrated sustainably in the USA and then delivered to your door. Transform your life through daily cellular nutrition. It's worked for both Yuvia and myself. Visit ishoppurium.com and check out the Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. Remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your order. That referral code, M-A-N-D-E-L-A, will not only help you, it will also help the future of Adventure Radio.